Chapter 5, Moshe has agreed to go back to Egypt with his brother Aaron, and he does so. And after he returns to Egypt, Torah tells us in chapter 5 that he and Aaron uh, speak to Paro. Apparently they have access to Paro. We know that Moshe was brought up by Paro's daughter. Maybe that's a factor. The Torah doesn't tell us. But um, he speaks to Paro, chapter 5, the very first verse. V'yachar ba'o Moshe v'yaron v'yemru el Paro. K'omar Adonai l'hi Yisrael, sh'arachet ami v'yachogu li b'amidbar. Thus says the God of Israel, the eternal of Israel, yud Hey vav Hey, the eternal God of Israel, send my people and they should celebrate for me in the desert. Very often the word celebration or chag has a uh, sacrificial cast to it. So perhaps the word v'yachoguli b'amibar even suggests here sacrifice. But Paro's answer is very instructive. V'yoma Paro, mi Hashem asher Who is this God that I should obey? Obey his voice. V'shalachet Yisrael, to send out Israel. V'yodati et Hashem. I don't know this God. V'gamet Yisrael lo ha'shaleach. And I will not send Israel out. First thing that's actually very striking is that when Moshe comes to speak to Paro, he deviates to some extent from what God told Moshe to do back in chapter 4. In chapter 4, I should, excuse me, in chapter 3, verse number 18, uh, God said to Moshe, the people will listen to you, obey you. And you and the elders will go to the king of Egypt, Elmerich Mitzrayim, and you should say to him, Hashem, Eloheo Ivriim Nikra Oreno. The God of the Hebrews has chanced upon us. So the name that God uh, instructs Moshe to use is the Eternal One, the Yudhe Vavhe name, but also Eloheo Ivriim, the God of the Hebrews. When Moshe speaks to Paro in chapter 5, Koamar Hashem Elohei Yisrael, the God of Israel, uh, says thus. I'll come back to that in a minute. Pharaoh's response is, I've ne- never heard of this God. And here it's interesting to note that Paro's response is, I do not n- know this God. It reminds the reader of how the book of Exodus begins. There it says that a new Pharaoh emerged, in the very beginning of the book, who did not know Joseph. So the pharaohs, they may be different pharaohs, but all pharaohs in the Bible are the same. Circumstances change, but the pharaoh, the persona of pharaoh, the moral quality of pharaoh, never changes in the Torah. And... What does it mean to say he doesn't know Joseph? How could a pharaoh not know Joseph? Joseph was instrumental, not just in saving Egypt, but empowering the pharaoh. He maneuvered unto pharaoh's hands all the money, all the cattle, and all the land. The land became pharaoh's. Whatever we think of that behavior on Joseph's part, which is a very good question, but the reality is he empowered pharaoh. So what does it mean to say he doesn't know? The Torah suggests in the very beginning of the book that knowing is not just an intellectual quality. It's a moral quality. 
Moses' sister was standing from a distance. We read a good day to know what to do. To know means to empathize. To know means to use your knowledge in a positive way. It suggests doing, not just thinking. So the same Pharaoh, that is to say the Pharaoh, who doesn't know Joseph in the first chapter, doesn't know God in the uh, fifth chapter. So Moshe then says something different. Or they said, Puro Moses and Aaron, Vayomru, Eloheo Ivrim Nikra Oreinu. The God of the Hebrews has called us. So there's a difference between the God of the Hebrews, Eloheo Ivrim, and the God of Israel. And the difference, I believe, is this that the word Ivri is related to the word Aver, which means the other side. The Jews in Egypt, the identity of the Jews in Egypt, optimally would be Israel. Israel being Jacob, Israel being carrying with it a sense of mission, destiny, and purpose, covenant. But Elohei Ivrim is something different, the God of the other. The Jews in Egypt don't necessarily at this point see themselves as Israel, but they may see themselves as the other. They may recognize through the behavior of the Egyptians, actually, through the non-acceptance of the Egyptians on some level, the persecution of the Egyptians, that they are the other. They are the Ivrim. And um, so Moshe now addresses Paro in a language he could understand, the God of the Hebrews. And Moshe's request is, let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to our God, and Moshe added, Pen badever o becharev, lest God smite us with pestilence or sword. So he speaks a different language. Let us go into the desert because we're afraid if you don't let us go into the desert, we don't sacrifice to our God. Our God might take it out against us. Our God might uh, cause us to suffer, even to die. That's badever o becharev. Our God is a mighty God who can be threatening to us. And that's a language perhaps Pharaoh would understand, that someone in power would exercise power in a more brutal way. There is, of course, the other secondary uh, possible meaning of pen yifka'enu badever o becharev, which is a veiled threat to Pharaoh. Instead of saying pen yifka'enu, in other words, Moshe might be meaning pen yifka'acha. If you don't let us go, this God can bring about pestilence, he can bring about plague, he can bring about death. So I advise you to let these others go for a three days' journey into the desert. It's interesting to note, by the way, that in the Passover Haggadah, the terms Dever and Cherev appear in the Midrashic section of the Passover Haggadah, Dever being the first five plagues. The fifth plague was, in fact, Dever, plague. And Cherev, the tenth plague, Makat Bechorot, the Haggadah sees that at one point as the tenth plague. So Dever and Cherev might even be anticipating what's going to happen to Pharaoh through the course of the ten plagues. I wanted to, uh, just to focus for one moment on this request that Moshe makes, which is central to the story, let us go a three days journey into the desert to sacrifice to God. And one of the questions that the reader has when you first encounter this verse is, what is Moshe's thinking? Or actually, it's God's thinking is the thinking that we'll go out to the desert, three-day journey, and then we'll run away. Is Moshe thinking about already escaping from Egypt? Is that the 
sense over here? Well, is the sense, no. Moshe fully intends to return to Egypt to uh, keep his word. But there's a different significance to serving God together in the desert. And that is, serving God together is what will define in the book of Exodus the nation, the people, the community. The community is one, the nation is one. The people of Israel are a people who serve a common God together. And Moshe's thinking perhaps is, and I believe this is the best reading of the text, that before you leave Egypt, a bunch of slaves fleeing persecution, it's important to create a sense of cohesion, a sense of community, remembering that the very first verse of the book of Exodus, that when they came down to Egypt, they came down, each one with a household, with a bayit, with a family, with a sense of community. That, through the course of slavery, may have been lost. There's division. The slave is not a full person, and therefore cannot connect fully to other people. So Moshe's request over here at God's behest is, let us have an opportunity to serve our God, knowing that in the future, this community, this cohesive community, can then walk out of Egypt as a people. The goal at the end of the day is not only to escape the persecution, which is a noble goal, but to create a sense of community, a sense of bayat. The book of Genesis was about creating family, and the book of Exodus is about creating nationhood.